from KQED. When I think of San Francisco stereotypes, I think of hippies and the summer of love, liberal politics, and more recently, the tech industry. One thing that doesn't spring to mind? Religion. But the city is named for St. Francis of Assisi and has a long tradition of diverse religious practice. Just look up at Mount Davidson, San Francisco's highest peak. There's a huge concrete cross up there, and people have been wondering about it. Hi, Bay Curious. I'm Julia Tholag. I grew up in and around San Francisco. My name is Phil Montalvo. I'm a native San Franciscan. I've always noticed the cross and just wondered why it was there, where it came from. Growing up in the outer mission, Crocker Amazon, the cross was always in view. I never understood when it was constructed or even why it's still up on Mount Davidson. What's What's the the deal deal with with the the giant giant cross cross on on the top top of of Mount Mount Davidson? Davidson? Today on the show, how San Francisco ended up with a cross at its highest point. I'm Katrina Schwartz, and you're listening to Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. What is the deal with the Mount Davidson Cross? We sent Bay Curious producer Susie Racho to find out. Just west of Twin Peaks, rising above a quiet residential neighborhood, is Mount Davidson Park. It's not well-known or well-marked, but once you start walking one of the park's trails, you're surrounded by eucalyptus trees, and you start to forget that you're in the middle of a major city. I'm coming up the trail. I'm a lot of breath, but wow, what a... Amazing, amazing view. When you get to the top, you see two things. A view that stretches all the way to the East Bay and one very big cross. The cross is an imposing sight. It stands at 103 feet tall and 10 feet wide at the base. Made of concrete, it stands in stark contrast to blue sky and the eucalyptus grove that surrounds it. To learn more about how it got here, I went to Mount Davidson's resident historian. Hi, I'm Jackie Proctor. Jackie says the cross's origin story goes back almost 100 years, to 1923, to a time when the area was a forest. A guy named James Decatur, who is an employee of the Western Union Telegraph Company, and followed with the YMCA, hikes through that forest and comes to the top and he sees this incredible view of downtown. And he is just overwhelmed and inspired and he writes this long essay about uh, the experience. 
Peace and quiet were so profound that it seemed almost unbelievable that the noise and roar of a great city was only a few minutes behind them. The solitude of the forest conveyed a sense of vastness quite as real as one would experience among the age-old monarchs of the High Sierras. He uh, is inspired then to build a cross to crown the highest point of the city. Decatur thought it would be a perfect place to hold an Easter sunrise service. Holding religious ceremonies in natural settings was a trend at the time. Jackie says that people were pushing back against the materialism of the Roaring Twenties, reconnecting with the natural and spiritual worlds. So it wasn't hard to find support for his idea. Several of Mount Davidson's trails had already been established by its landowner, a local developer named A.S. Baldwin. Baldwin was already starting to build houses in the surrounding area. He saw the Easter service as a way to introduce more people to the new neighborhoods west of Twin Peaks. So Baldwin not only gives Decatur permission to hold the event, but donates $2,000 to get a 40-foot-tall wooden cross constructed. That's nearly $31,000 today, a hefty contribution. 5,000 people hike up that hill in 1923, before dawn, apparently it was raining. The service received enthusiastic backing from city officials, religious leaders, and community groups. Boy Scouts camped out the night before and acted as ushers for attendees. The dean of Grace Cathedral led the service. James Decatur thinks, great, this is great. I had no idea 5,000 people would come, so let's do it again. Decatur raises money for a bigger wooden cross for the service the following year but it wouldn't be the last service or the last cross. The first one was just uh, torn down and replaced, and then the second one was burned down, and then the third one was burned down. Local newspapers report the fires as accidental or vandalism by bored teenagers. Each temporary cross was replaced as the now annual service got more and more popular, drawing tens of thousands of people. People are dressed up. They're wearing their fancy shoes and their fur coats and everything. <laughs> it was like, you know, this incredible civic event. But it was still being held on private land, land that was beginning to fill with newly constructed houses. The encroaching development alarmed nature lover Maddie Brown. In 1926, she led a campaign to urge the city to buy 25 acres on Mount Davidson to create a public park. Bolstered by women's groups across the city, the three-year campaign was a success. She even won the support of Baldwin's widow, Emma, who donated the six acres at the peak. In 1929, Mount Davidson became a city park. That put the cross on public land. Supporters eagerly began planning for a more permanent cross, one that couldn't be blown or burned down. And before 32,000 people at the 1932 Sunrise event, Governor Roth dedicated the cornerstone of the new 103-foot-high concrete cross. It took two years and $20,000 to build the enormous concrete cross. That's almost $400,000 today. And by the time it was done, the country was in the Great Depression. But the people still wanted a grand celebration. Twelve huge floodlights were installed on poles surrounding the cross. 
Maddie Brown envisioned a dramatic moment when the lights would be switched on for the first time. She wrote to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, asking him to do the honors. It seems most appropriate that the president, who has brought light into many a darkened American home, and who, through his New Deal, has instilled the principles of the Golden Rule into American business, should take part in this cross-lighting ceremony. Western Union donates their time and their telegraph lines, providing a coast-to-coast hookup between Washington, D.C. and San Francisco. And on the evening of March 24, 1934, President Roosevelt pressed the button that sent electricity across the country to light the Mount Davidson Cross. That Easter, 50,000 people journeyed to the monument. The cross became a San Francisco landmark. It made an appearance in the Clint Eastwood movie Dirty Harry in 1971. Now turn, face the cross. But had largely stayed out of the news until the early 90s. That's when the issue of a cross on public land becomes a lawsuit. Groups concerned about the separation of church and state, including the ACLU, sue the city. After several years, the courts rule that city ownership of the cross violates the California Constitution's separation of church and state. San Francisco has to find someone to buy the cross or tear it down. So then the city decides they're going to sell the land around the cross and the cross. And um, they have to sell it with no conditions. So whoever buys it can tear the cross down or they can keep it. Our historian Jackie, a longtime Mount Davidson resident, remembers the controversy vividly. I'm really concerned about that. I'm not a religious person. I sort of just saw the cross as like an, a relic of the uh, Depression, another public works project. In 1997, San Francisco settles on a plan to auction off the cross and the little over a third of an acre that it sits on. They require any bidder to keep the site open to the public. The city sets the opening bid at $20,000. Three groups are interested in buying and preserving the cross— the Friends of Mount Davidson Conservancy, of which Jackie was a member, the Museum of the City of San Francisco, and the Council of Armenian American Organizations of Northern California. Most Armenian Americans, including those in the San Francisco Bay Area, are descendants of the few survivors of the Armenian Genocide, which was carried out by the Turkish leaders of the Ottoman Empire in 1915. Roxanne Makasjan is a member of the Armenian Council. She says that descendants often build two things in the places where they settled, churches and a genocide memorial. The Armenians said, you know, this would make a great monument for us to remember the Armenian genocide and maybe to educate locals about it. At the auction, the museum doesn't go past their opening bid of $20,000. The neighborhood group bids $25,000, but supports the Armenian group after agreeing they both want the same things for the park. And we thought, well, they seem like they really care about maintaining the area for the public access. That was our goal. Today, the cross is lit two nights a year. April 24th to commemorate the Armenian Genocide and the night before Easter. The annual sunrise service still exists. 
Today, it's non-denominational, and a few hundred people usually show up. Not quite the same scene as the thousands who appeared in their finery in the 1920s and 30s. But Jackie says without the sunrise service, Mount Davidson would look very different today. You know, if we didn't have the sunrise service, we wouldn't have a park there now, and it would have been covered with houses and buildings or everything like most of the other hills at San Francisco. The tradition lasted 96 years until 2020, when the coronavirus pandemic canceled the Easter service for the first time since 1923. And this year, unfortunately, will be the second. Well, let's hope the ceremony will be back in 2022. Thanks for that story, Susie. You're welcome, Katrina. I hope this gets more people up to Mount Davidson to experience it for themselves. Me too. I need to go check it out now. Have you signed up for the Bay Curious newsletter yet? It's full of Bay Area trivia, more answers to your questions, and cool photos. Right now, we're looking into a bunch of your questions about why and how various streets were named. Sign up at baycurious.org slash newsletter. Bay Curious is produced by Susie Racho, Katie McMurrin, and me, Katrina Schwartz. Our show is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. Catch you next week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is... This Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-hosts cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.